global pandemic. We are all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Thanks for taking a moment to like, subscribe, and follow The Pandemic Show on social media. Thank you for joining us as we transcend time and space to talk with Aaron Ware in Melbourne, Australia, author, podcaster, creative energy. Aaron, how are you today? Good. Thank you very much, Dave. How are you doing? I'm excited to be talking to someone on the other side of the world, experiencing the pandemic differently than I am here in Ontario, where the variants have arrived. We're in the third wave. Everyone is locked mm-hmm. down. So it's interesting to talk to somebody in Australia where my understanding is you're not in lockdown. No, no. Thank you for giving me uh, inviting me on to give me a chance to, to share my experience. I, I wrote it out. I stay creative, basically. Well, obviously, I, I created a podcast network and a, a podcast show, The Bloop Network, with um, Thrush and Treasure and and two other shows that I've I've got going as well. I not only published my third novel, I then turned the trilogy into a complete edition, sort of first couple of months of my pandemic. And then I sort of turned to my co-host, Gareth, turned to him and I just said, how come we've never done a podcast together? He's like, because you've never asked. And then here we are. <laughs> and that's and, how I met Aaron, yeah. following his podcast, Thrash and Treasure, comparing and contrasting thrash metal and musical theater. We talked to Gareth, the metalhead, a couple of weeks ago. He mm-hmm. shared with us the different approach that Australia took to the pandemic and how people yeah. are living there with a lot less worry than we are in other jurisdictions. Yep. You had some great episodes on Thrash and, and Treasure with Lisa Humber. Steffi D from Checking From Away. Also, yep. it was a very informative talk you had with Ryan Tozel, the metal singer. Yep. And I think he's right. I, I think people sometimes are too judgmental of Nickelback. They're a fantastic band. <laughs> and they had a great they had a great publicist, Eric Alper. Yes, yes. I will apologize to anybody who is offended by any of my jokes or comments or sass on the show. I promise every musician out there and, and any fan that we, we're on a positive trajectory. This is about two people from polar opposite worlds. We get along. We, we love each other as friends and, and already did and have known each other for a while. And he knows what my sense of humor is like. And he likes that sense of humor that randomly comes out of my mouth that might be cutting and might tear him down, but it catches him off guard and he, he loves it. And he's very soft and cuddly. So we're dragging each other into our worlds. His music is my personality, but his personality is my music. Does that make sense? Interesting so a, juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a proper yin and yang there. Thank and, you and for joining us today as we work to okay. unite humanity and comedy and laughing about the serious yes. Uh, challenges we face that is how we are going to get through this the art 
music, yep. comedy, sport. That's what seems to be getting people through this. That's what we're leaning on. And it's great yep. to be talking to a comedic, uh, creative person like yourself today. How did the pandemic change then when it hit Australia? Well, in Melbourne, we went into, at first off, we were sort of, I think it was probably about a month and a half lockdown. I, I have an 11 year old living with me. So I'm, I'm completely out of the loop. I'm really, I've, I've been in my own bubble with this podcast for since November, I think. Has being creative helped so, you deal with the pandemic and the isolation? Because you're a fairly social person. I, it's just funny because I'm also a hermit. People can compare myself to the character from my novel because he's pretty antisocial, but I'm really not. I, I love to talk and, and get to know people and get to know their story and stuff. Obviously, I, I love to talk, full stop. But I'll, I'll tell you what, at the very, very start of it, I said to a, a bunch of people, I'm going to take this as a dress rehearsal for the zombie apocalypse, basically. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to keep calm. I was putting on streetscapes and birdsong. And obviously, I listen to a lot of classical music and film scores. That's sort of I people are usually surprised to hear I don't listen to pop or punk or musical music often. But I'm always listening to, to instrumental because I can think. There's no lyrics to distract me from that. But I was putting on a lot of birdsong and I started meditating, which is something I've never done in my life with someone with so much energy. And I'm always moving around, always doing something or dancing or, or whatnot. But I started meditating because I thought if I have to be in this house with other people, which is a different experience to being in this house alone, that's fine. I can do that. Not with other people. There's too many personality clashes there. So I, I needed to stay calm and yeah, meditation. So a shout out to Michael Seely on Spotify. Thank you so much for getting me through the past year. What is the, the public health situation now where you live in Melbourne, Australia? Are you under lockdown and a stay-at-home order like we are in Ontario? Or are you free to no, go out? Free to go out. I'd go to the shops without a mask on. I went to the theatre a couple of months ago in January and saw Come From Away Again, which obviously Lisa Humber is the stage manager of the uh, Toronto production. I, I saw the Melbourne production for a second time and it was just amazing. After the year we had to see that show in particular, yeah, probably going to get a little bit emotional because that show I have a, a, a strong connection with anyways. And we've had three three members from companies in Canada and Australia on our show. So we're technically, I guess I'm a cousin from away. <laughs> one might say a uh, terrible pun there. Now look at, at to, to have one of my oldest friends with me, my, my first ever girlfriend from 1992 when we were six, seven years old, have her with me seeing one of my favorite musicals after this worldwide pandemic that is still going on. We felt that, I, at least I felt that in the theatre, knowing that outside this island that we live on, in, in the middle of nowhere, the world is in a disarray. And, and my friends from all around the world, the people that I've danced with and dined with and all that, are going through a really, really, really tough time and have been for a long time. And I, I kind of feel helpless because I, I, I tend to be a, a bit of an emp empathetic person. I, look, if I see someone fall over on concrete, I feel it in my chest for some reason, and I hate that because I don't want to be feeling it, but I do. So it's frustrating, but I don't want, this is going to sound maybe mean. I've tried to talk to a few people from international about Australian actors being on stage again. 
and I get a bit of coldness there. And I, I would like those international performers to know that we don't have a big industry here, full stop. So the fact that our industry is able to thrive or at least regrow sooner rather than later be before open, the yeah. billion dollar Broadway, before the billion dollar West End, please at least applaud, be happy for us. You know, I'm like I'm fascinated by the success story of Australia's response. Yeah, to the it pandemic. was tough. Closing the borders to keep and keeping the economy open. You're celebrating worry-free in musical theaters. I'm jealous, especially to come from away. A story that unites humanity in every sense. Um, A September 11th tale where a plane was diverted from New York to the middle of nowhere, Newfoundland, Canada. 7,000 people stranded. And and the local people all embraced them, took care of them, accepted them, supported them, fed them. It's a story of hope. Much like we hear through the pandemic, neighbors helping neighbors, people helping each other. So people organizing now, like in Australia, March for Justice around the world for Black Lives Matter. The stories of hope that are out there. And I think hearing that Australia has done it, their theaters are open. That gives me hope that we might be going to Stratford, Ontario to see an outdoor an open air production. Yeah. That's what Stratford in Ontario is doing this year. If we're allowed yeah, to reopen, they're going to do hundred people sittings, three shows a day, I believe open air. So yeah, the theater community, the arts community, they've really just demonstrated how humans can adapt. Yeah. I am just so excited for you getting to go to see a production in the middle of this oh, global this. pandemic, because your area got it right. Yeah. Your did. area um, has protected Daniel, the people. Yeah. Daniel Andrews, our premier, and he, copped a, a lot of flack, especially from the, the opposition or the right wing. And I'll tell you what, if, if I'm going to judge any politician, I typically judge them on how the opposition accepts them, not how they reject them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it, to have it's two, turbulent political times in North America, it, it seems it seems like it is yeah. there's, worldwide. There's, there's clearly some people that do not want to cl- collaborate. And they yeah. want to make they want to spread chaos, and yeah. they tend Close-minded. to be, I think, associated yeah. with the neoliberal, conservative, privatized, deregulate movement. Yeah. Now, see, with with Daniel Andrews, to have two staunch conservatives who I know and have known my whole life go from not liking him to praising him on how we got through this, that says to me a lot more about what he did than left wingers praising him. Because there's a bias already there. But when people who have an opposition already are able to change their minds, that says something on what a leader has done. It was a real shame that he injured himself. He fell downstairs. So he was in hospital and Ouch. In, in intensive care. And he got us through this. He, he copped a lot, of, a lot of flack from a lot of people, even on the left wing, because it was tough. It was a few months or four or five months of, of lockdown weren't allowed five kilometers from our house. You know, only one person at a time was allowed out of shops. You know, there are all these restrictions, but for someone like me, I, my life didn't change. It really didn't change. In fact, I feel like I felt better, which is really a horrible thing to say, but I had time to meditate and I feel better for for time for wellness, personal development, personal growth, work on your important art projects. Yeah, it was. Now, compared to a, a very good friend of mine, I'll use his DJ name, Akash, uh, just for privacy's sake. He's from Mauritius. He works with celebrity cruisers, and he was on a cruise ship at the time with many other cruise members, 
that the lockdown worldwide lockdown hit and they were stuck on that cruise ship for five months just the mauritians everyone else was allowed to go home right but the mauritian government was saying to the cruise companies we'll take them home we'll bring them home if you give us this amount of money okay you've done that now how about give us more money and then we'll bring them home so their country played politics with them it went on for five months and these poor guys were stuck yeah they i think went from uh, they, they dropped us dropped everyone off in sydney and then they went and just floated around basically around the ocean and then ended up in the philippines and were offshore in the philippines and they that- couldn't go anywhere I make a connection to something similar that happened to mariners going through the uh, canal in Egypt during the seven day war. There were some ships that were stranded there for months and months. Yep. They had to stay with the cargo and whatnot. And interesting how that's an interesting example of what's going on during the pandemic. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, shout out to celebrity cruises because anyone can badmouth cruise companies for whatever reason pollution or exorbitance you know what i mean opulence and whatnot but they looked after those boys you got to respect your workers successful companies treat their employees and their workers with respect dignity and pay them a living wage and when things come out of the ordinary they support they stick together and take care of each other yep and i'll tell you sadly not every company is like that from that experience and he still wants to to get back on the ocean when they reopen, but he from you know, and from the money and payout, I think they got, he's opened up a barber shop in um, Mauritius. And I tell you what, he's he's doing bloody good. Part of my language. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> he's doing yes. really, really good at it, and they're really successful. So I'm I'm really proud because I, I I was very, very vocal, and I'm not very political. Anyone who who follows me, I'm not. You're an artist. You're a creator. I'm also a, a free thinker. I don't know. It sounds really patronizing to everyone else. There wasn't thousands and thousands and thousands of them like there was with Come From Away. But that still doesn't matter. You know, they were stranded. They weren't allowed to go home because their government was trying to uh, extort money out of these companies. It's absolutely disgusting what the Mauritian government did. And I think they should be ashamed of themselves. And I think other people, and and I'm going to be bold, and this might offend people, because this was going on during the Black Lives Matter movement. I wish people had have heard me. I really did, because these are people of color and they were being mistreated by their government. And that is exactly what the Black Lives Movement was about. I've gotten a lot of advice from people that are a lot older than me. And and one of them is a man named Jonathan X, who we interviewed in episode 10. I recommend it to anyone who loves a good conversation. He's sort of, he's given me a lot of advice over these in terms of navigating these issues in, in race and stuff like that. And his advice to me is always, as long as you know who you are and what you're about and where your loyalties lie, it does not matter nothing else matters. And it's sort of always stuck with me because yeah, I don't need to justify myself. Do I, I don't need to stand up and, and wear badges or wave flags deliberately so that people like me, but I'm going to treat people decently. I'm going to treat them with love and respect and dignity full stop. I don't think these things should take such a tragedy for people to behave like that. I really don't think like 
the fact that it happened like that with with murders because they were murders uh, that was not a policeman doing George his Floyd, job it was a murder. the list goes on there's the, yeah the fact that it ha- that these movements have have to happen because of something like that or at a time during a pandemic sucks it does because it's what horrible. have we been fighting for for a hundred years from the, the the suffragette movement, the civil rights movement, the gay rights movement, this movement, that movement, any movement you want to. And yet the struggle continues. And exactly my point. One thing I've always tried to with both sides, until you prove to me that you are a violent person, I've got the time of day for you. Because when I give anyone the time of day, they'll give me the time of day to listen to me, tell them that they're wrong. Full stop. Because this whole, I'm not going to listen to you because you're on the opposition. Where's that getting people? Nowhere. Because both sides are just segregating themselves and being in their own little camps where they're talking about each other and plotting against each other. And where are we headed? Change happens around conflict. So I, hopefully I, look, we're I, going to get I agree positive. there, but I don't think it should have to. I don't I, think it should have to. I think there's probably universal consensus that we wish it wasn't. Unfortunately, we find ourselves in a different situation. More laughter, people. We need to learn to laugh at ourselves. Full stop. There's been a lot of... And and love. I got friends that are going to nightclubs all the time now because we can. Wow. I mean, I don't think there's any theatre on right now in in Melbourne because Come From Away left us. It better come back or I'll cry. But no, look, as I said to you, I can go into shops without a mask. No, um, no, I, now, I don't is Hollywood has moved to Australia. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, um, that's a big oh, signal look, of the power <laughs> of Australia, what they've done in the face of the pandemic. It is in that respect. But I'll tell you what, interesting fact about Hollywood in Australia, that started with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers film. In 1995, it was filmed in Sydney. My little Fox. sister watched that show. I, I love that show myself. And to have the film filmed in Sydney was always a big thrill for me. So I sort of grew up and learnt as much about like, about the production as I could. And I tell you, without that movie, The Matrix wouldn't have been made here because the film crew got their confidence from making The Power Rangers. Moulin Rouge was filmed at the same studio as well because that crew grinded their teeth, ground their teeth on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie because Fox said, here's this movie, here's the actors, here's your budget, it's very little, there you go, make the movie. In Australia. Then the creative team decided the place to do it was Australia. I think it was tax breaks back then um, and it usually is that's the reason why but they didn't help them is what I'm saying like they didn't send professionals who knew special effects this was 1994 95 when it was filmed so this crew had to make that whole film all those special effects on a shoestring with their own their own ingenuity basically and it's real testament to the Australian film crews that they were able to do that and it's of all films for them to do it on the Power Rangers movie really but as I say, from that, we got Moulin Rouge, we got The Matrix, we got all these other films. And now you that... have all of Hollywood. Now we've got all of Hollywood here, apparently. To be honest, I'm more excited about having Marvel films here and Drag Race Australia. I Talking just... to you no about the cultural production that's <laughs> happening in Australia yep. helps me forget in what a pickle we are in Ontario. I haven't oh, had my oh, hair cutting quite some time. I maybe so after I've the noticed. pandemic I can go to the go see cash. 
Aaron, you're a you're a creative person, an empathetic person. You're a creative person, an empathetic yep. person. You've been using the pandemic to create content for those of us in the audience. I appreciate that. Eventually, this thing is going to run its course, and then yeah. it will have run its course. I'm I think it's going to be a roaring twenties. I think there's going to be a lot of new creative things. I think there's going to be some new perspectives, lots of uh, collaborations. Yeah, definitely. But what what I worry about is that afterwards that any new disease or cough or sneeze that goes around everyone's going to freak out immediately uh and i don't know if if we should i just think we should be a little bit more hygienic from now on really in general just everyone i think masks on sick people might be something that we see become more global quite common in certain parts of the world already I, i was in china and Hong Kong, Japan, Vietnam, just name dropping all these countries. Sorry. I was, I, I went to a couple of Asian countries in 2015 and this was maybe six years or five years after the last Corona um, virus that had, had spread. SARS? And people was uh, SARS. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, Cause that was, that was also a Corona um, virus. Well, people were still wearing masks. I think even in some of my photos, you can see random people on the street wearing masks because they learnt their lesson after the first time that when they have a cold, even if it's just a common cold or a sniffle or whatever it is, they didn't want to then infect other people because once you, it's all right to say, well, I wash my hands all the time or whatnot, but okay. Yeah. So you, you leave your house, you, you might, wipe your nose on your hand as you're leaving the house. Right. And then you go put your hand on the dashboard and uh, not dashboard on the steering wheel and your hand gets sweaty while you're there. So those germs from wiping your, your hand get sweaty and yucky. And then you get out of the car and you get a trolley at the supermarket. Right. So people don't realize that it's only really these little things that we do. I might be coughing into our hands or whatnot, but then you then pass those germs onto other people randomly Yeah. Other people who don't have your biological makeup. So therefore getting your diseases or getting your sicknesses is not going to maybe affect them in the same way. And then it gets passed on. And that's how this happens. So people cough into your elbows. Seriously, you're not the only person on this earth. Stop spitting on the street. That is a disgusting act. I've always thought it was. I still today in Australia, just yesterday coming home from the shops, I saw someone spitting and I wanted to go up to him and say, you moron. For one thing, you, you look like a crass idiot because you just hucked on the street like a, a classless pig. But look <laughs> at the times we are in right now. I was literally a meter away from you. What if there was wind that then swept it onto me? I don't want your germs, especially not at a time when we're in a frigging pandemic. Oh, my God part of my language hygiene you're not the only person on this earth people full stop when i oh when the mask <laughs> first became a thing here yeah my mom and i were shopping we had our masks on somebody else took down their mask and sneezed and then put their oh, mask back on yeah i tell you what, people give cruise ships a lot of flack for being petri dishes but it's up to the people I've seen some really disgusting uh, behavior from people where even in the buffet, sitting at the tables, someone turned 
to the side and just sneezed all over the side of the table and all the other chairs. Two minutes later, his family sat down in those chairs, right? And I wanted yeah. to go up to him. He was maybe 80 years old or something. I don't care. Yeah. You're not the only person here. You know, you're making a really good point. You, you mentioned earlier about the experiences with these types of viruses in Asia, Vietnam, that part of the world. And yep. there, there seems to be much more of a collective mentality, a community mentality. Yeah. And whereas in certain parts of the West, especially the United States, even Canada to some degree, it's me, me, me. And it's more the individual. And I am more important than everyone else and everything else. That cultural difference really it seems to be highlighted by the pandemic and the yeah. anti-mask movements and the, the coronavirus is a scam types of people. When you have a so-called, and I'll say it in quotation marks, a God-written constitution that tells you you are the center of the earth, I can kind of understand why it happens in America because they believe that God wrote that constitution for them. A lot of them do anyways. But for the rest of us, we're being influenced by them, by their speeches of tyranny and free speech and my freedoms are being taken away from me. You know, and I've lost two relatives to this, one in Australia and one in Canada. Yeah, we've lost yeah. family to the virus as yeah. well. Yeah, and I have to sit there and listen to these people, grown adults, complain because their freedoms are being taken away because they can't go to a certain shop, which they've never in their lives gone to before. <laughs> yeah, good point. I want to go see my family. I can't see my family. But you didn't go see your family beforehand. <laughs> I have a hard time when I see people out not wearing their masks, not following the public health. I feel like they're lost souls and confused. But I know that there's a lot of people that are feeling the tension in the lockdown zones and the places where the governments, you know, are letting this, aren't, aren't taking a stronger approach. It's like we got to check in on each other. Like Greg Godovich yeah, said, uh, we got to check in on each other. We got to reach out to people before they crack. Yeah. yeah. And meditate, people. Trust me. Look, I've got a lot of energy. It, it would be then very easy if I was a typically angry person to go from being so hyperactive because, you know, blood's already rushing through my body. But I tell you, what, I barely raised my voice last year and I, I, I had to be in a house with two old conservatives and an 11 year old. So therefore I need to stay calm. Yeah. And meditation people breathe and learn to laugh. I, I can't stress it enough. Less politics, more laughter. Start seeing the absurdity in things that, that may be normally serious or make you angry. Like really, I just, I, I wish more people were, would listen to me. But everything's politics, everything's fighting. And that's why people won't wear their masks because it has nothing to do with whether or not they believe this is a serious pandemic. It is because their politics is telling them the left wing wants me to wear a mask. So I'm not going to wear a mask. And these are legitimate comments. At, at the very start of this, I, I saw a number of tweets that were, this is not a real virus. It's designed to cause communism in America. This is a left-wing scam to cause us to follow the Black Lives Matter movement. This is a China disease 
to get us all to submit to China. So there was all these conspiracy theories at the very, very start that played into the paranoia that people already had. We got to get people talking. Got to get people got, with different opinions talking in a civil We got to get people manner. breathing, Dave. Breathing, meditate, breathing. Stop, breathe, think about things, mourn things, right? And and also judge things on yourself and your own experience, not what your political doctrine is telling you to to think, not what your political wing is is telling you to do, because that's this is where we we're, we're going wrong. There are two doctrines that are pre-written here and, and we're trying to balance them with our growing progressive minds as a, a, a society, as a species. We need, it's, It'll be interesting to see <laughs> what unfolds in the, as yeah. the pandemic marches onwards. This is a time where radical social change is not impossible or is not Far-fetched. This is a time where radical social change based on equality and sustainable stewardship of the planet and walking gently on the earth. These are all things that could happen, but there is the dark storm cloud of money and greed blowing around the pandemic, trying to take advantage of market conditions to maximize the bottom lines. We've seen that in Ontario with long-term care, private long-term care facilities of seniors giving out Mm -hmm. dividends giving out dividends when they've just received subsidy from the government to fight the pandemic and yeah. keep, keep our seniors safe to build an iron curtain of protection, but an iron curtain that never materialized, sadly. Yeah. They've got to pay the investors first. That's why, but also what's going to work against us is this deliberate backlash that the right wing don't want the left wing to have anything nice. And the left wing don't want the right wing to have anything nice. So deliver when you have, Um, something like the Black Lives Matter movement, which is automatically placed on the left wing. It it doesn't matter whether half these right-wingers believe what they're saying or not. They're going to deliberately defy it because they're feeling scandalized by our political opposition. And that's where I've got to say, too bad. Grow up. It's common sense not to treat people like a piece of poop because of of their sexuality or their culture or their race or something like that that is just how we should be it's not just common sense it's common decency but the only reason why we get that backlash is because they're they're both sides don't want the other side to have anything nice and anything good so and that's a shame these identity politics it seems like sometimes they're a distraction to some harsh economic decisions that people want to make that that make winners and losers. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, look, at, at the end of the day, I think we're all going to lose if we keep the way we're going now as a society. And I, I do a lot of, as, as much as I'm very vocal, I observe and I observe a, a, a hell of a lot because I have an audience of, of both political spectrums because of my neutral stance so therefore i i see both sides front row like and i'm talking about the craziest trump supporters like you wouldn't believe and i'll tell you what they went three years of trump and they didn't anger me until the past year because they wouldn't accept defeat they no 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 when they wouldn't accept that we're in a pandemic because their politics was telling them we're not their politics was telling them the left wing 
made this up or the left wing want you to wear masks. The left wing are trying to take your, your freedoms away and the left wing are trying to destroy your business because they want communism here. And then you look at Florida and, and people like the right wingers in, in Florida will be like, yeah, we never closed down. We're doing okay. And how many thousands of people are dead? And they've spread it to the rest of the country and perpetuated exactly. the pandemic. Yep. And, and it's funny that this comes from the right wing who are staunchly, I will go to war and, and die for my country. But don't but ask wearing me to a wear a mask, mask or to respect yeah. public health. Exactly. That's a step too far to them. So you're happy to die for your country, but you're not willing to live for your country, you moron. Can you see why I needed to meditate through all of this? Because Aaron, it's becoming more oh and more God. apparent why you need to meditate. And you should probably meditate uh, three times a day. I, I Look, I, I tend to keep birdsong on just to to hear nature. You know, nature deficit disorder city, is so. another pandemic. So many people living in high density cities with no connection mm-hmm. to the natural world. What's going on yeah. in the natural world around where you live? Well, that's starting to to get cold. So, so you're getting heading towards your winter. Less vocal, yeah, at the moment. And there's a couple of magpies that come up to my front door. Posted a photo of them on the Thrush and Treasure Twitter, and they they sit on the front bench outside the front door and they tap on the window humanity comes together to rescue itself and nature as we move through the global pandemic aaron i can't thank you enough for joining us today sharing your story stories of the pandemic for the people of the pandemic no one's alone on the pandemic show Uh, thank you for having me it was an honor to be asked thanks for listening to the pandemic show We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing the Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. Do you have an interesting Pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the Pandemic Show.